This episode of Talk Koki Radio has been sponsored by Toys Aru Toy Shop. You can find them at www.toysaru.com. Hi, I'm Ellie and I play for Telford and Rekin and you're listening to Talk Hockey Radio. Hello, welcome to another edition of Talk Hockey Radio. I'm joined today again uh, with my co-host Fraser. Hi Fraser. Hi Taff. Uh, and also, again, as usual, uh, Simon's joining us. Hi Simon. Hello Taff. Hello Fraser. Fraser doesn't like you, he's not responding. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyways, <laughs> let's get on with it. Uh, we, have, we don't have a lot to uh, go through at the moment because obviously hockey's not been, been played a lot around the world. But we do have something to talk about at least anyway. So this could be, fingers crossed, the shortest podcast we've ever done. <laughs> anyway, uh, Fraser, what have we got to uh, talk about today then? <laughs> okay then, in our shortest podcast ever, we have got some player <laughs> transfers going on. So we've got some players moving around, quite big names, making some quite big changes. Uh, we're going to talk about the previous podcast that we released, which is the Wembley Magic Edition. We're going to talk around the England return to hockey again and the 125th anniversary of women's hockey being played in England. Cool. So, okay, what's the first one? What, 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 do, you, what do you, Fraser, what do you want to talk about first? So let's start off. With talking about the player transfers that have come out recently. Okay. So there's quite a few big name GB players who are now making the jump to playing in overseas leagues. Now, this is something that we've not seen a lot of in recent years, Yeah. uh, possibly due to the Olympic cycling that they go through. But as of next season, uh, I believe there is nine that we've seen announced. Right, uh, and there's possibly more to come out shortly. It's a, it's a bit, um, it's a bit not not straight. I don't want to say strange, not not weird either. What's the word? What's the word? With England players going playing abroad and 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 at mass like this anyway, it doesn't happen often. They just don't do that, or are not allowed to do that for whatever reason. So yeah, come on, then. let's go, let's go. Who who are they? Uh, so we've got Alan Forsyth, Ollie Willows, and Zach Wallace all going to. HGC. We've got Brendan Creed and Jacob Draper going to Beershot. We've yep. got Phil Roper going to Orange Rude. We've got Hannah Martin going to Hurley. And we've also got Giselle Ansley going out. Uh, Lily Owsley. Uh, definitely says Giselle Owsley here. I think it's an error by Taff. Yeah. <laughs> it was a mix. Giselle Owsley is a new player in GB. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that, do- that name doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> Okay, all right. Problem so, of having things written down by Taff so, so, and his technical wizardry. Yeah, but but listen, wait a second, right? Look, on my uh, on my version of the um, sheet, right, it actually says Lily Owsley now because I actually changed it, right? So my mistake, but you should have gone V2. No, no, you don't have to show me. This no. is document V2. Don't start with me. <laughs> yeah, I've got the same. All anyway, right. let's crack right, on. Well, let's go. Um, uh, where's so, she moving to? Sorry. Uh, she is going to Hardyem. Uh, I'll hand over to Simon for pronunciation because I will butcher that even having just heard it. HDM. One that Anna Flanagan played at for a little while. 
So what, what do you think then? What do you think about this mass move by the GB and England players? Both I mean, from my point of view, I, I think it's a good move. We've got this crop of England and GB players who are obviously are good enough to go and compete in these, let's be honest, more serious leagues than we have in the UK. Yeah. It will only make them better as players going forward and they can obviously come back in a couple of seasons' time and they'll have that experience to pass on to other players. I mean, I'm very upset with Phil and Brendan for not giving us an inside <laughs> scoop when we interviewed them, but... Yeah, but yeah, yeah. When we interviewed them uh, a few weeks ago, um, yeah, they were they didn't say anything about that. Cause... I think Brendan hinted that he well he said he'd had chats with Beer Scott, but yeah, yeah, not that he was definitely going back there. Yeah, uh, maybe it wasn't finalised. So Brendan, if you're listening, not happy with you, mate. Dead not, tough. Not, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm not happy with you. I thought we were friends, but yeah, it's look, it's good. I mean, we, we talked about it in in that podcast, didn't we? Uh, when we spoke to Brendan and Phil about players actually moving abroad and and how good it would be uh, for them. So hopefully, fingers crossed, with these players going abroad now, playing in in better leagues. Because let's face it, the leagues that they're going to be playing in are going to be better than the ones that we've got here in this country. Right? The, the, the setup there is so much better. They'll train three or four times a week as a squad. They'll have uh, access to very good gym facilities. Uh, they'll live and breathe hockey. And obviously over here, when they're in a centralised system, they do. But the problem we've got with our centralised system, the criticism of it anyway, is they play against the same 16, 20 players every single day. And... They're all, you know, they're great players, but yeah. that lack of exposure to, to different challenges is, is going to naturally breed some problems. Whereas if you're playing in the Hove class, you're going to be playing against pretty much the best players in the world week in, week out. And even if you play against, you know, like back in the day at Laren, for example, they weren't necessarily the best team in the world, the women's team, but they also had people like Naomi Van Ass. So even when you were playing against a team that was very much a mid-table team, you were still playing against exceptional talent mm. um so to me I, I understand the arguments about wanting to strengthen the british league but on the other hand no one goes to watch it um so this, in the national team's interests these players will return substantially better players having played in these leagues uh and then when they're still be coming over for centralized camps so that's the opportunity for them to do the outreach and to go and see people remembering that the indoor season over there is three months four months sometimes so that's a good window whilst we're still playing outdoor for those players to, to do their duty as, as role models going out and doing club contact as well. So to me, it's only a good thing. Yeah. Didn't we have a situation a few seasons ago where uh, Ashley Jackson was at HGC and when they swapped to the indoor season, he came back and played in the UK for three months and then flew back out? Yes, uh, we were one of the unfortunate clubs, my club, that played against them whilst he was back over here. So obviously great for us to see a player of his calibre against us, but also awful for us to see a player of his calibre against us. Yeah, I feel like your goalkeeper had a bad, <laughs> bad day. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, you go. No, sorry, I'm just, I was just going to say I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And, and you know, in, in the in the British League or the, uh, the UK-England League or whatever, um, we we just don't have the international player, the calibre of international players playing in it. And in, in the Hove class, uh, they've got players from all over the world. You know, all all the internationals, well, most of the internationals that actually want to actually play in that league 
go and play in that league, don't they? Unfortunately, they don't come to England. And it is, like you guys were saying, it is the best league in, in the world. Um, if, you, if you make a list of the best British players you can think of, every single one of them in the last 10, 15 years will have played over there. And yeah. it's it, it, like, like uh, Fraser's mentioned with Jackson, it completely rejuvenated his love of the game. He was so happy playing hockey again. And it, a lot of that was down to his time back at Hark AC. Mm. And what it did for him, um, players players who were playing against him were saying how scary it was to face him again, yeah. and that he was completely changed man. Um, I think on the women's side as well, uh, Lily Owsley in particular is fantastic to see her going there. I'm really excited for that because she's just a phenomenally skillful player. She's really confrontational with what she does with the ball. The same for Hannah Martin. She's they're both they're both players who confront people and take players on. And yeah. they'll be challenged. They'll, their decision-making will rock it as well. Um, it's obviously a shame for Hampson Westminster to lose Owsley because they've had a, well, had a good season so far. We don't know yet yeah. what the plans are for Prem. Uh, and obviously for Martin leaving uh, Surbiton, that's a massive hit. She's been there for a long time now and had, mm. had, some, had obviously a lot of success, to say the very least. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean... Well, they've lost uh, Alan Forsyth, who was at Surbiton as well, wasn't they? Wasn't he? So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Forsyth's a big hit for them. Obviously, he's arguably the best striker to come out of Britain right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Sam Ward might have something to say on that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly between them. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, again, like, imagine how amazing he'll be having had a season or two there. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's very exciting. Oh, you drapes he'll be fantastic for for playing in the belgian league playing with a lot less pressure as well because he'll be playing week in week sorry week in week out he'll be playing every single day uh he doesn't have to, you know you don't have to start worrying about career stuff it's just play hockey play hockey play hockey um and he's so young as well mm. um, it's fantastic I'm, I'm a bit surprised with the rope going to orange rude um, just because he's just had a kid. I, 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 I'm presuming he's, all his family are going to go over. Um, but I, I don't, don't know, know if all his family will go. Probably <laughs> well, his wife will go. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> his, his wife and, and, and the little one, of course. But yeah, it's... Uh, you know, it's a bit. I, I, you know, I think I think his, you know, his his wife and his kid will probably go over as well because I, d I don't expect him to actually be away from his his kid for this long, especially you know quite young. Um, okay, uh, we had one more, didn't we? With um, not not a not a GBR England player who um, who moved as well. What who who was that? Uh, Loic Van Doren has gone back to Dragons. Oh, where, where, it... where was he playing before that? It's one of the Dutch teams, I think. Can't remember which one. <laughs> God. Is it Den Bosch? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, that's a really interesting one, especially with uh, the current Dragons goalkeeper Toby Valter, uh, who was is playing for Germany. Um, I think Toby's also a former World Goalkeeper of the Year, um, yeah. and is very transparent about his love for the club. Yeah. Um, if you go on his social media, it's he's clearly deeply passionate about the club. Uh, but I believe Van Doren grew up playing there. Um, so, yeah, it's a very interesting transfer on, on both accounts and intrigued to see where Valter goes. Mm. I don't think they're going to have uh, room for two really good goalkeepers, will they, real? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that one. <laughs> we'll have to see what happens with uh, both of them to see who gets in, in their first team or whatever. Or maybe they might share it, who knows? Let's put Valter up. They could alternate going up front. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. We're, we're a team that loaded already. They can get away with it. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, cool. 
Right, go on then. Let's get on to the next subject. I think we can't say much more about that then. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing that we have to talk about is the latest special episode that's come out. Oh, right, yeah. is Reliving Wembley Magic. Yeah. Now, you two hosted this special episode. Yeah, we missed I, you. We missed you, though. Uh, I wasn't even invited, just <laughs> being replaced. You know. <laughs> Oh, uh, so, no, let's talk like about it. Come on. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Oh, missed you though. Yeah. Oh, okay. So if if no one, if you haven't heard um, the previous podcast, which was a special, we actually released it on the day we would release our normal podcast, which is today. But what we decided was because it was such a big event in the England calendar type thing that we would actually release it before we would actually release our normal one, which is this one here. And as it happened, the 70th anniversary of the Wembley Magic Games was actually on that Wednesday when we released the uh, podcast. So we, we sort of like decided to do that. I don't know about you, um, Simon. I really enjoyed talking to the ladies about their experience at Wembley. I mean, when I listened back to it, when I was editing the, the, the podcast, I was still smiling like this <laughs> because it was still taking me back. I don't know. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, it was amazing to hear their stories. Um, fantastic to hear how much the game's changed and improved in certain ways. Um, really interesting from my sort of geeky point of view as an umpire to hear about how they handled things, uh, having like um, uh, not being able to encroach on the pitch. They had to run actually down the sideline, which I didn't know was the case back then. Uh, but also because they didn't have a whistle, having to signal so that someone could fire off a foghorn uh, <laughs> as the alternative to the whistle uh, was, was certainly an interesting way of doing it. Um, mm. And then on the other hand, thinking, okay, well, you know, the crowd numbers obviously these days haven't been so good. Uh, and I know Maggie was saying she doesn't think he'll ever get back to that. And maybe it won't quite get back to nearly 70,000 people. But I, I think England hockey have done a really good job in the past of getting good crowds and, and selling out venues. So the idea of using that uh, pop-up pitch and touring the country is a really good one. Um, and again, uh, as we bang our drum, the uh, home nations concept is clearly very much of interest to people. Uh, mm. And the idea of, of potentially doing something sort of for sports aid or whatever and having the current GB squad uh, play against, say, the Rio team, uh but in the old style, you know, with those horrendously impractical kits, uh, <laughs> keep the umpires on the side and fire off an air horn <laughs> whenever. Yeah. Um, but potentially, yeah, being able to do that, maybe a cricket ground or, or popping up an AstroTurf, I guess. But I, I think the idea of doing it on grass just as a one-off, particularly for sports aid, was a really nice idea. I think we're going to have to make that happen. I've spoke to a couple of people about this when they've heard the um, the podcast. And, and I've had some messages, um, personal messages sent to me from friends who had been there, which I, you know what, before the podcast actually happened, I should have actually put my feelers out and said, you know, who, who, who's been there and tell us what your experiences were like. But they basically messaged back and said, look, I was there. I, I went to a couple of the uh, the games and as a as a teacher as a as a student and their experience was exactly what the the ladies were talking about. You know, it was it was very noisy. You know, in a good way, and it's just one of those one of those things that was was quite unique and things like that. I mean, I, I put it down a, a couple of pointers for people who don't know about the podcast anyway. But um, 
the first ever game that was played was played in 1951 was a crowd of about 30,000. That was their, you know, they only had to get 20,000 apparently for it to go ahead properly, but they got 30,000, and that went higher and higher as as the years went on, and to a to a bigger extent, you know, you were saying nearly 70,000 people actually attended one of the games. It, it, you know, if you haven't listened to the podcast, you need to listen to it. It is quite long, but it doesn't seem that long to me. And when, when we were doing it, it didn't it didn't feel that long at all. It was probably one of our usual podcast lengths, really, to be fair. Did, I mean, Fraser, did you listen to it? And what do you think about it? I, I have listened to it. One of the things that I found uh, most surprising, obviously, knowing a little bit about this beforehand, was that they got... Like National Rail involved in organising transport to get people there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I when I went to the Olympics, there were special buses and stuff on, but that was only in London. When I went to the Commonwealth Games, when I left one of the venues, they couldn't even get trains onto the station fast enough to fill them up to get everyone out without there being a massive uh, crowd of people mm. kind of pushing. And to think that, you know, they got the National Rail on board to get everyone there in time for the game is just astounding for a hockey event, not even a multi-sport event. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I said that, I mentioned that in, in, in the podcast. It was, it was, it was one of the points where I thought it's, it's phenomenal that they can actually, they actually got that, you know, British Rail involved in that. These days it's a lot easier with all, you know, social media and whatever. And also, uh, you know, companies approaching rail companies to uh, put on, um, you know, extra trains or whatever, or extra carriages. But back then, it was it was unheard of, really, to be to be fair. Um, and for them to do that, amazing. Like I said, you know, listen to the podcast. There's a lot of, you know, hidden gems in there like that. <coughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I can't. I don't know what more to say about that, really. And I and I, and I was quite. I was quite honoured to actually do it um, with, in, you know, in um, in collaboration with the uh, hockey museum. So yeah, if you want to relive yeah. the Wembley years and you were there, go and listen to it. It's really good. Even though I, I do say to myself, <laughs> yeah, go and listen to it. If you were there, if you know someone who was there, uh, send Taff a message on social media. Yeah, definitely. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. You know, if you were there, send me a voice thing or whatever, or even a, a little message say, oh, you know, I heard the podcast and I was there or whatever. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll, I'll message you back and find out a little bit more about your experience. Cool. Um, we've got another anniversary. Haven't we? Uh, is that right, uh, Fraser, you were just talking about it before? You were we do mentioned- indeed. It is the 125th anniversary of the first ever women's international hockey game. Okay. And that was played in um, uh, Dublin, I believe, yeah? Is that right? Yeah? Simon silently nodding yes. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm assuming <Sorry>. you... <laughs> um, and that, do you know what? Still things. <laughs> we, we, were, we were just talking about, you know, the 70th anniversary uh, podcast that we released on Wednesday, and it was only a day before that the, anniver- the 125th anniversary was, right? Which is kind of like, you know quite close that wasn't it really it's a weird day apart on, a, on an anniversary i know they're like decades apart really but yeah it's, it's phenomenal i mean i was reading about it before and i'm not sure whether you've you've read this i'm probably probably yeah you probably have um that it was the first official international women's hockey game but there was a game played previously the year before which although it was you know publicized 
to start off with as a as an international women's hockey game um it was kind of like downgraded kind of thing because the irish team was the college team that where where they played at you know for the 125th one is that right i don't know whether you read that no well yeah i I read that yeah Sorry, I just remembered again. I'm I'm nodding or shaking my head when no one can see that. <laughs> yes, the podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Apparently, there was a game played uh, previously uh, um, at the same at the same venue, and it was Alexandra College team, which was named as the uh, Ireland team. That was the year before, but they had a. a, a can I say a proper Irish team <laughs> when they played uh, 125 years ago? Good on them. And it was only actually a year after the first ever men's international was played, from what, from what I've read anyway. I don't know. Have you got any more tidbits on, of, of information there, guys? I mean, I just found it interesting that for the first ever women's international hockey game, there was about 2,000 spectators. Yeah, yeah. There, there are modern-day international hockey games that don't get anywhere near that number of spectators true sometimes yeah yeah absolutely and and, and uh, unfortunately uh england lost as well sorry guys uh two one <laughs> two nil sorry two nil apparently but yeah i think it, fraser's point on the crowd thing uh there's a lot more we as hockey people can do to reach out and then like at my club i'm beginning to lobby but maybe when it's possible we might try and consider hosting a match on a friday night either for the first or second team if it's not unreasonable to suggest it to the opposition it's one thing if they're coming from cardiff but uh if they're coming from peterborough to cambridge then that's a bit more attainable um i definitely think you want to play the cardiff team on the friday night think of how that travel is going to kill selection (laughs) yeah this is probably unfortunately the only way we could possibly beat them um But uh, yeah, um, they're flying high at the top of it of the table if it actually finishes. Um, but yeah, uh, I think everyone has to take a bit of responsibility to try and invite people to the pitch more and you know sell a bit more of the atmosphere and the fun of it and just the chance to have a chat with your mates and watch some good hockey. Um, we as we as hockey people need to be actors within this and not just moan about it. Yeah, I mean you're right. And we again, we discussed this a little bit um, in in previous podcasts, where it's more of a a celebration every single weekend, isn't it, for European hockey, especially in um, Holland, where they obviously have these games that they play, but people stay on to watch other games, and then they have a barbecue, they have like a, a you know a, sort of like a, a, a disco or whatever, um, and they have that nearly every single weekend. I think we need to start doing that in this country and in all around the world, to be honest with you, um, where we would invite spectators to come down and, and, and enjoy um, some good hockey by the first team or second team or whatever. And even if it's not you know, a National League game or whatever, I think people should actually you know, go and watch some uh, hockey it's very similar to football there's a, we've got a lot of spectators we've got a lot of fans in this in the world around they've got a lot of a lot of clubs have got a lot of members who who are you know on their you know list or whatever but we just don't seem to have the i don't know the inclination to actually go out there and sort of like come on come on come and support the first team come and support the second team that sort of thing and stay behind we're going to have like a barbecue going on I remember we did like junior tournaments uh, on a monthly basis uh, in one of my clubs, and we did all that. And we had 
lots of spectators. I mean, granted, they were parents <laughs> of the players that were playing, but they turned up. We had, like, you know, a barbecue going on. We had the whole, you know, marquees uh, stuff uh, happening, and we got a lot of people. And if we start doing that as for adult games, maybe you might get people coming down and watching and make it a, a, like a day event or whatever, even for the family, for the juniors. And, that, and, and you know, we did that a couple of times for inviting the juniors to come and watch the, some of the first, team, first and second teamers. And they did. The parents brought them down. And we did actually do that a couple of times where, you know, we had like a barbecue again going on. But it, we just need to do a lot more of it. And I think if you give them the incentive to sort of like come down, maybe buy a ticket, get a free burger or and a drink as well, I don't know. Or, or just come down and don't have a ticket and just buy a burger or drink if you want. I think what the um, the post-lockdown uh, games, because it looks, from speaking to people, it sounds like there's going to be a good return happening, which we'll get onto later. Yeah. Yeah. But um, if people are playing, uh, say, for example, your first team versus another club's first team, and that, and that goes all the way down every team, and you all every, well, every team from those two clubs is in the same place for the whole day, there could be a real atmosphere and that this could be an opportunity for resurgence and to build community and atmosphere again, mm. which we've not had for a long time. Uh, yeah. I think people will be happy to see each other <laughs> and uh, to spend time. It might even be nice to the umpires, who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'd just be nice, I think, to, to think this could be an opportunity of, after all of this horribleness, it could be a, a moment of, uh, of some change happening as well. I think, I think clubs that need to like, you know, catch the bull by the horn type thing, don't they? And and encourage this to happen, you know, when they play their first team game or second team game, send out an invitation to everyone that they know uh, who's a part of the club to sort of say, come out and, and come enjoy some hockey and, and get out because we've been in lockdown three times in, in the UK anyway and possibly longer in, in other countries. Um, it just needs to happen. And I think clubs need to, you know, be proactive like we were saying, you know, before. We need to be actors rather than spectators in, in, in doing this. Fraser, got any, anything to say about that? Yeah, I, I think Simon's point there is a really good one of trying to arrange. I know uh, where I play in the Yorkshire League, we often get a situation of, you know, you're playing this team's first team at home, their third team are playing against your second team, but they're away. Your third team is playing their fourth team, that's at home, and splitting those fixtures up. But mm. it could if it could be facilitated that all those games could be a home game so all the teams play at one venue, it could create a bigger atmosphere and it might convince more people to stick around. I know my club has played some local games uh, on a either a Tuesday night or a Thursday night in place of one of our uh, club training sessions. And we've sent out to everyone saying, look, club training is not going to be on. But the men's first team are playing against our local rival, uh, pushback is at this time come down pre <laughs> pre covid we had tuck shop we had hot drinks for sale uh stuff like that it's a, a short walk up to the bar uh, and if you ask very nicely they'll give you a plastic su- cup so you can come back up mm. and just yeah. stuff like that to build kind of a spectator community within the club game i think is definitely something that uh england hockey scotland hockey welsh hockey irish hockey everyone in the home nation should really push for to try and build that supporter culture in at the club level because like you say overseas that's something that they have in belgium in holland like you you go to the club and you know you might go home 
to have a meal or something, but then you're going to come back to the club to watch the first team play if they're the last game of the day. And then you're all going to go into the clubhouse and have a drink and integrate. Yeah. I know um, a lot of like the, the National League teams have moved their games to Sundays for the reason of trying to get the rest of the club to come down and spectate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good move if people are actually coming down. But if they're not, then you have to look at other options. I think it's going to take a bit of time for anything like this to actually happen. But I think, you know, we need to be proactive and we need to start encouraging people to come and watch. I remember when I first started playing, you know, people used to come and watch a lot, whether it's parents, whether it was, you know, just club members, because we had the first and second team playing one after the other. And there's a lot of clubs out there that actually want that to happen these days. I know the club that I'm uh, playing, uh, you know, coaching at, prefer that to happen where the first and second team ladies play, you know, at home and then one weekend and then the first and second team men play at home the second weekend. So it's it's rotated. It, it doesn't obviously work out that way for every single weekend. But if we can get clubs to to do that or have both first team men and women playing on, on the same day so in, to encourage all the others to come and watch as well might help. I don't know. I think what the National League are doing um, which is similar to what happens uh, in other countries where they have teams playing on a Sunday to encourage people to turn up and, and watch, like you were saying, Fraser, um, is a good good idea. And I think then, you know, the second teamers or the third teamers or the four teamers, however many teams you've got in your club, not going to really have an excuse not to turn up unless, you know, they've got other plans. <laughs> Well, that's a thing. It's an interesting one because I always felt that way. And then when people didn't turn up, I asked them why. And for a lot of people, it's kind of like if their other half doesn't play hockey, Sunday's the day where they can do stuff that's not hockey related. Yeah, um, and then also for the first team players, um, one of the old England guys who used to play for us <laughs> said, yeah, he, he appreciates it. it's really nice to have a crowd. But on the other hand, he'd love to be able to go out on a Saturday night with all his friends, but he can't because he has play hockey the next day and take it seriously um obviously on the other hand if we put it on say a friday night that means the third or the fourth or fifth team may uh overcommit to supporting the team uh and suffer as a consequence the next day um but then on the other hand they're not performance end of the club i suppose but Yeah. yeah It's an interesting dilemma. I think there's a there's pros and cons for each argument. It really isn't there either having it on a Friday night or Saturday or whatever. Sorry, or Sunday. Um, but if it works in other countries, why can't it work here? You know, that's, it's, that's just my wonderment. Anyway, it's just not built into the culture here. No, not yet. And that that's <laughs> the problem. Yeah, that they have to address, and it's something that they've skirted around for well decades now. God knows how long it's been. Um, But, I mean, I remember when I was growing up, you used to go down and watch. So, like, if you played in the first game of the day, which was like a 10.30 pushback, you would watch the next game that was maybe 12 o'clock and then the first team would be on at 1.30. So you'd want to stay for that. And then, well, you've already been there most of the day. You might as well stay for the 3 o'clock pushback. Mm. And then, you know, if you hung around until the late game, they might be short. And you might get a second game out of it. I think it's all. It all depends on dedication, isn't it? By by the spectators, how dedicated are they going to be um, to you know stick around and watch either a first team game, second team game, or whatever? Um, but yeah, I don't know. Don't know what the answer is. But 
we, we need to do something, don't we, really? Anyway, right. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let, that- let's neatly segue on to what England hockey should do to <laughs> fix hockey, to what England is doing for the return of hockey. Hey! Um, Almost seamless. <laughs> so... Yeah, what what are they doing? Well, guys, you know this. I mean, there's been some press releases and whatever to say that uh, we're re- returned to hockey here in England on the twenty or from the twenty ninth uh, onwards. But there's a bit of a uh, uh, a bit of a caveat in in that as well, where some leagues have actually posted out or or sent out press releases as well to sort of like say that they won't be continuing the league as is. Um, you were saying the side. You were saying which one? Uh, which one was it now? Uh, the East leagues have uh, voided the season, apart from the top men's and women's division, because they need to facilitate promotion. So they'll play uh, with no relegation. Okay. But if teams don't want to play, or or, or they can't raise a team or whatever, that's that's okay. They won't yeah. be punished for it. Ah. Well, I think the same same with uh, most of the other leagues out around the country. I think at the moment, uh, I know that Lancashire League had done very something very much similar. I'm, I'm, I want to say that they, all the league divisions have been uh, done that way in, in in the sense that it's not going to continue as a as a league fixture. And what they would what they are encouraging here in Lancashire are for you to actually play games um, as friendlies if you've already got them set up. Or set up new games if people can't travel because of any other restrictions that might happen um, after we come out of lockdown properly. Um, but yeah, I think the best way to go is is yeah go play friendlies because I think a lot of people will want to do that. Um, they've also suggested that you you we we create a, a summer league and you know play that. There are summer leagues out there at the moment, but they're encouraging more to actually you know more teams to take part in those sort of like summer leagues anyway. I'm not sure what what, it, what it's like in your area, um, Si or Fraser. Yeah, and it's the same here. The, the, the push is towards things like summer leagues to play friendlies. Um, <clears throat> before the current lockdown, the advice was play half a season. And then if you had a fixture date where you were going to play someone you've already played, crack on if you want, play, but it'll be a friendly. Um, I'm disappointed, obviously, because I, I, I like the competitive side of it. Uh, but I can understand, and I've seen criticism of the East League management for doing this, but they did it, they consulted people before making any decision, uh, and from a lot of the clubs I've spoken to, it sounds pretty 50-50 in terms of, even in most clubs, not just league-wise, not like saying one club says yes, the next one club says no, and the next club says yes, and the next one says no, it's it's within a club, there is a division as to what to do. So with that degree of... uh, conflict on it it's not fair to insist people play when it's not com- when they're not comfortable to do so mm. so whilst i'm sad about it i can understand it and i think it's probably the right thing to do ultimately now i didn't i didn't envisage this lockdown <laughs> being quite so long yeah i don't think anyone did uh, when when they first announced it really the extension has been for another what six week wasn't it um coming out of another six weeks prior to that anyway um but yeah i mean i think personally i think it's the right decision because i because as it stands, if we if if leagues want to finish off the league by the by whatever date that they set, which is you know um, middle of April, probably at the latest end of April, isn't it? I don't think from the games that have been played already right now that they can continue that way. 
there's not enough weekends to actually play those. And if and could they play a Saturday and Sunday game? They possibly could. But then do you have a little bit of burnout then? Because the the game that you played yesterday, if you haven't you know got yourself injured or whatever, you're going to play on Sunday as well. I don't know. Yeah, I think um, the idea of double headers as a one-off is maybe okay, and particularly mm. at a performance level. You know, when yeah. you're talking about national league, it's they're, they're proper athletes. Um, but the idea of saying to like men's division East North West Seven, you now need to play two games in two days. It's, it's not practical. Uh, yeah. Plus, also obviously trying to source umpires, um, and we have a an umpire shortage, of course, because of uh, shielding. Um, yeah. Naturally, so many umpires who, who are neutral appointments do tend to be retired players, um, mm. so they're on the shielding list. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah, I, I don't know, uh, Fraser. What do you uh, what do you think about this? I mean, I'm, I I agree that they should they should cancel the league but I, you know what i was i was like that right at the start of the, of the season especially when we came out of the, you know the first lockdown and there was a potential to actually have another lockdown in the winter as well i think we discussed this didn't we um yeah and i think you know my my standing was that they should just cancel the league and just play them as friendlies but yeah I, I so by that. yeah in my league there are i think three teams who of this season we managed to play two games and they were against local teams. Uh, so when we went into the tier system, we couldn't play against anyone else other than the, the two local teams, which were the two fixtures that were the first two of the league season. All right. Uh, so I don't think it would have been feasible for our league to be able to facilitate even a half season with the amount of games that need to be rescheduled. Mm. Uh, for just in South Yorkshire, the clubs that had to cancel so many games when we went into the tier system, mm-hmm. I don't think we could have fitted those games in with the other clubs, with the games they had to play in any way that it, it could have worked. So as soon as we went back into lockdown, I was very vocal about just right off the season. Uh, the thing that we talked about was when we came out of the second lockdown, uh, doing kind of a, a regional cup tournament uh, so it'd be sort of semi-competitive games and then offering like a couple of different tiers so you know if you want to take it very serious you could enter the tier one competition if you sort of wanted to take it semi-serious you could enter the tier two and if you were just wanting to turn up and play summer league hockey you'd enter the tier three one yeah. and that they'd be uh, kind of round robin tournaments with a finals for the whoever finished top two mm. and I kind of want that idea to to just be played out in the summer. Uh, get teams to enter six team bracket, maybe play two leagues, tier one. Whoever wins each league play each other in a cup. Second place play for third, and so on all the way down. So everyone gets a game after the league finishes. Seven weeks should be doable. And again, bring in those tiers. If you want to take it very serious, you can enter tier one. Yeah. If you want to just play a summer league tournament then enter tier three. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, that's, that's a good way of doing it as well. Uh, and at least then people get competitive hockey if they want competitive hockey, uh, which is, you know, which some people do want it. Yeah. Like you're saying. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens on the, on the, on the 29th. I don't know when he's making an announcement to actually say, right, we're coming out of lockdown properly. Well, he has made the announcement. Um, but he, it's he's not, made the announcement, but the, the, 
confirmation yeah yeah, yeah. seal not... of approval will be probably the 28th okay uh yeah, yeah. 11 58 p.m ish is it <laughs> something like that probably <laughs> Yeah, it all depends on um, various uh, things happening around um, COVID, obviously, um, whether the, the R rate is still low enough to uh, reopen or whatever. I, I believe it's going down anyway, so we'll see what happens there. Um, that's it, isn't it? We, we don't have any more topics to talk about. That's incredible. Well, actually, you saying about the R rate has reminded me oh. of a good a new podcast for people to listen to. All right, go on. It's by a hockey player, an amazing hockey player. Um, not this currently isn't going to be you, is it? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> it's a, a lady that I know called Leslie Aaron's, um, and they are doing a podcast to try and make uh, medical topics more open to people. It's called the Glasgow Series. They're on Instagram as just simply the Glasgow Series, all one word. Um, and yeah, she's a, a top top hockey player. I think she plays. Uh, for I can't remember the name of the team, so she'll kill me. Uh, never mind, she's up in Scotland. It'll take her ages to get her or hide. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, she plays up in Scotland for um, one of the one of the top tier teams up there. Um, and yeah, I've I've given it a listen. It's really good. It's very accessible. Um, so give that a listen. Cool. I've got. Any, uh, is that it then? We 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 finished. Have we got any other business? Is is this the and finally stage? Or, or have we got any other business, guys? Uh, yeah, so I've got two topics I was going to bring up. Um, first one is that England Hockey and Great Britain Hockey have revamped their websites. Um, from my point of view, they are much better, much more user-friendly. Um, the league section doesn't seem absolutely perfect in terms of functionality, but it's still very intuitive. Um, and I'm sure the missing bits, which I'm looking for, for example, player registrations will show up again soon. Um, so I'm really pleased to see that. I know a lot of people in England hockey have been wanting to do this for a long time. So it's great to see it happen. Um, and um, I'm sure it will help people enjoy the game more with the ability to access information quicker. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so much better. It's, like you're saying, you're so much user-friendly, more user-friendly. I actually like it. It's clean. And, and you can find links easily, whereas on the last one, you had to really dig in deep <laughs> to to find out where you, you needed to go in, in relation to find out, you know, where the coaching information was, where the um, other type hub stuff information was. But, yeah, this is a lot cleaner. Uh, so well done, guys, uh, England Hockey for doing that. And the GB Hockey website has changed to a similar sort of uh, layout as well. But, yeah, definitely good. Definitely much better. I think I think a hundred percent improvement on that one. Have you been on it, uh, Fraser? What do you think? I have, and it is a gigantic leap forward in usability from England hockey, at least. Cool. So unanimous. Well done, England hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other one from me was to highlight the hockey all in campaign. There was a webinar uh, hosted by Gamej from Barford Tigers uh, with Reece Smith and Emily DeFrond from uh, the Great Britain setup uh, talking about basically diversity and inclusivity. Uh, the YouTube video of the meeting is available. Uh, if you go to All In Hockey One on Twitter, there's links on there. Uh, it's a concise but very effective, very um, well-designed meeting, uh, really powerful messages um, a really poignant question from Gamej early on asking, or but sort of challenging people saying, 
if you really do care about this, what have you done to make it better? Um, it's not enough to just go, oh, this is rubbish. It needs yeah. to be better. It's about taking action, taking responsibility, uh, and enacting change yourself. Um, Reese spoke about, I mean, the thing that really got me was the impact that just one person can have. Um, so he talked about uh, his coach at school and how they went above and beyond what they were paid to do to facilitate hockey to them. He talked about uh, Darren Cheeseman and the fact that even though Darren is uh, based over in Holland now, that he's happy to take a phone call any moment, talk about different things to really be there for him. That Ashley Jackson, who is literally one of the mega stars of hockey, will go through in minute detail every second of footage covering Reese and talking through what he's done, what his decision-making was, what the consequences of his actions were, what maybe he could have considered to do differently next time. Um, and then with Emily, she spoke about the the thing that got me was the language people used. Um, so refer, I'm not going to use the language she said, but um, the, the sort <laughs> of what they, what they said to her team uh, and, and how dismissive they were, how nasty it was. Um, and, how difficult it was for her to sort of be accepted within the sport. And they get sort of, they went through uh, the, the pathway of players and the obstacles that they encounter. Um, and not necessarily that there's a conscious, deliberate setting up of obstacles in a way, but that they are there. Um, mm. So for example, you know, if, if you like, let's say there's a kid who goes to Cambridge hockey club, but there's a, a hockey camp a few miles, well, not a few miles, you know, 40 miles away. As soon as one parent's taking their kid there, they'll offer to take other kids from the same school along because they're all in the same class. So suddenly all these kids, because of their network, are getting a massive advantage over this kid from a state school who doesn't have access to that same network. Mm. And yeah, it was, it was really good to hear. Um, uh, there was some interesting stimulating ideas. Um, me personally, I contacted the committee during the call and said, this is some stuff I think we should be doing just off the bat from, from listening to what's being said. Um, so I'm really interested to see where it goes next with Gamej um, and, and his project here. Um, I think it could be something that really adds some value. He's got some ambitious targets, um, but if you don't aim for stars, you're not going to get there. Yeah. I mean, I, I missed it. I, I actually found out about it after it actually happened because uh, I went on to uh, the Twitter account or it, ca it came up on my Twitter feed. And I was like, oh, what's this? Because I've never heard of All In Hockey. I think it's Hockey All In, isn't it? Um, and I was quite intrigued, especially when Emily's you know post came up on uh, Twitter where she was wearing All In uh, T-shirt or whatever. Um, and I obviously clicked on the link and read about it. And like I said, I was intrigued. And I, I actually messaged them directly. <laughs> Uh, from their website to say, look, you know, what can what can we do to help as as the you know talk hockey radio or even um, the hockey family? So hopefully, we, you know, we can get involved in that as well. And I think it's it, you know it's a great initiative. I think if we can help you know publicize it a lot more, then I think we should. Um, just like you know, the stick it to hockey. Uh, st sorry, stick it to racism. <laughs> stick it to hockey. Don't stick it to hockey. Play hockey. <laughs> stick it to racism uh campaign that emily uh, started as well so uh with that and uh all in hockey i think the the both go together really in in, in a roundabout way um yeah let's hopefully it'll get back in touch and then we will we'll get uh you know start helping them out somehow maybe even get is it gurmit gamedge gamedge uh get gamedge uh to come on here um 
talk us through what his inspiration and I think I know what his inspiration was to start off Hockey All in anyway uh, because it wasn't it them that uh, sent the open letter to England Hockey about um, you know diversity and racism in, in, in hockey or whatever um, so yeah it'd be quite good I mean if Gamedge uh, is listening get in touch I'll get in touch with you anyway uh, but get in touch and uh, let's talk Did you, have you heard about this phrase or in, anyway keeping you out of this a little bit <laughs> I'm used to it now. <laughs> so one time, one time we didn't have you. Go on, seriously. No, uh, everything I've seen about it, it looks like a fantastic campaign. Um, we've discussed it before on the podcast yeah. that uh, hockey is a very elite sport. You have to jump through additional hurdles if you're, you're not from the right background. Um, it's one of the potential issues with the New England pathways as well. I know we've just been praising them for the new website, but um, the the new player pathways, they're going to have some schools where you can kind of skip ahead, which just leans more into the, if you go to the right school, you get a leg up. Um, And I, I really think that England hockey should be trying to push very talented school players to become affiliated with a club. I'm not especially a fan of the whole if you go if you're at the right club you can skip ahead but at least that's getting players from the schools into club hockey as well. Yeah. I think um sorry go on. as I say we've we've talked about it at length yeah uh on previous episodes so I don't want to go too much into it but yeah. I think this campaign is 100% something that I I want to get behind as well. So I'm really hopeful that through Talk Hockey Radio the hockey family and social media channels that we can help promote it yeah i'd like i'd like to and you know growing up and and playing hockey i mean i always started when i started at college anyway and i, I wasn't a party to much abuse <laughs> if you can call it that um when i played it was very limited in, in, in from various certain clubs or certain areas that i basically got abuse um but not often anyway. um but I think I was lucky in, in in that sense, whereas other people I don't think have been that lucky. And, you know, it's quite quite a thing that we need to start doing. And I think, you know, the uh, Hockey All In and Stick It to Racism campaigns will actually help. And then if we can help here, I'd love to do that. With regards to, like, you know, more diversity in schools, I think we, we need to, we need to um, have more hockey in state schools. I think we've talked about this before, haven't we? I think England hockey or, you know, local organisations, hockey organisations need to do more to get schools doing more hockey so we can get these hidden gems that are in these state schools that we might not have actually got if we hadn't gone in there and and did some hockey, uh, if you know what I mean. I think there's a lot of people over the decades that we've had, you know, we've had played this sport or whatever, we've missed out. On, on these kids that are in state schools who are passionate about hockey or they played hockey or were taught a little bit of hockey in PE or whatever and they love the love the sport but unfortunately they couldn't go any further they couldn't go into a club or they couldn't you know the school didn't do have a hockey team or whatever um, and they've just gone and maybe that was one of the Einsteins of hockey if you want to call it that that we missed out on you know could have been a GB player or an England player or or a, a Scottish or an Irish player, you know, or a Welsh player uh, that we missed out on because his passion was there or their passion or her passion was there, but we just didn't harness that 
because we didn't have the structure in uh, you know in place for them to actually go through um, clubs or whatever. So we need to do a lot. I think you know local organisations, you know regional organisations need to do a lot to actually get that ball rolling. And I understand that you know funding is not um, you know there, but there must be something we can anyway. Right, go on. Sorry, you want to say this? I, I was going to mention I'm nodding because I forgot again that Melissa's can't see me. <laughs> well, don't worry. It's um, been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have we, right, okay, so, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on because we, we, we could talk about this for, forever, or I could anyway. And have done in the past. Yeah, we have, yeah, absolutely. So if, if, you, if you want me, you want to hear me rabbit on a little bit more, Go and check out our previous podcast. <laughs> I believe it's brought up in episode one, two, three, <laughs> not four, but five, six. Probably, most probably, most probably. Um, <laughs> what? Anything? What, we've got anything else, boys? Oh, we, get, we forgot. I, I've got one. We forgot. Um, we mentioned that uh, it was the 125th anniversary uh, of the first ever women's hockey game being played, right? But I forgot, on, 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 and you guys did as well, that... Um, is an island hosting Great Britain to celebrate the 125th anniversary. And when is that? It's soon. I think it might be next weekend. Is it? Well, okay. And is it being televised, do we know? Yes, on the BBC Sport. Okay, cool. That, that'd be good. I mean, I'd, I'd love to watch that. It'd be, it'd be great, I think. But, you know, a little caveat for, for, for what we were talking about before is uh, that, you know, it's Ireland playing against GB, whereas the first ever came 125 years ago uh, was Ireland against England. But, you know, at least they're celebrating it, I think. Yeah, well, I think, um, obviously, it wouldn't be particularly fair on the non-English players uh, heading into Tokyo to say, we're going to give English girls a chance to to have this game (laughs) against the Irish women, but um, not you. (laughs) Tough. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, it's the 13th, the 14th, and the 16th, and it'll be on the BBC iPlayer, BBC Sport, I think. Okay. Cool. I'm definitely going to watch that, and we can probably talk about that uh, in our next podcast. Anyway, um, so we got uh, this is and finally, right? Are we there? Yeah. Oh, good, excellent. So I can say this, and finally, I'll let you plug uh, your Patreon again. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So I have a Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Barsef Hockey. Uh, the the rate is one dollar, one pound, or one euro a month at the entry level, or Two dollars, two pounds, or two euros at the the higher level. That gets you early access to all reviews. It gets you entry into Patreon exclusive competitions. Uh, it gets you some exclusive content. Uh, so you will see discussions and uh, comparison pieces from different reviews that uh, I've put together. And I have also got a Patreon giveaway starting very soon. And if you start supporting me. This month in March, when I do the draw, you'll get uh, a bonus entry as well. Cool. Any other giveaways other than the Patreon one? As always, if you stay clocked on to Boss F Hockey on Instagram, uh, I, I run a lot of giveaways through there. If you support at the higher level on Patreon, you will get an automatic entry into all social media giveaways. So if you don't want to pay attention and enter, you can just support me on Patreon for... <laughs> two pounds a month excellent sounds good um okay well 
I've, I've only got one thing to uh, to add to this. Well, you know the website's been down for no, well not down. I've been working on it and have had a few problems with like the shop and everything like that. But thankfully, I can say to the this that we have. I have actually figured it out and sorted it out. So the uh, shop will be live this weekend. So when the podcast happens, that weekend after the podcast is released is when um, the website will be live uh, with our own shop. Uh, we've got some you know, uh, good stuff on there, hopefully, fingers crossed. We've got a lot of fitness stuff on there, which I thought was quite apt in because of the 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 you know current climate that we've we find ourselves in we've got a couple of uh hockey sticks on there we've got uh hockey balls on there as well so if you are going back to hockey and you need equipment you know come down to it now i do have a plan for giving back to the community as well so when the website is released and um you go onto the shop it will actually have on there what I have planned for uh, giving back to uh, the community as well. So fingers crossed, uh, uh, people will support that. So Fraser, is that it? Uh, are we finally there or? One final thing to add oh, in. Okay. So I have just sat down over the internet because of social distancing <laughs> with Evan from Crown Hockey. And okay. so we talked about how Crown Hockey got started. Uh, he talked a little bit about their unique manufacturing process and we covered some stuff about their hockey sticks. Uh, I think it's a very interesting lesson, and it will be coming out shortly as a special episode. Excellent. Cool. Um, Sai, you've got something coming up as well, haven't you? Uh, yes. Um, it's yet to have a date confirmed, but, yeah, I'll be having a chat with uh, Nikki Simmons, who is um, a real trailblazer in the game. She was yeah. an amazing hockey player. She was a fantastic on-pitch leader. Very... Um, innovative when she worked for the FIH on yeah. the digital side of things um, and yeah I mean she's she's one of those horrible people who's just <laughs> incredibly talented at everything um, amazing <laughs> businesswoman great leader fantastic person wonderfully yeah. good looking great at cricket great at tennis great at hockey but she played cricket and hockey for Ireland um, just casually just picked up a bat and got cracking with it um, <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a catch-up with her. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Well, one. when you do, say hi from Eve, because, yeah, I know Nikki as well. She's a, yeah, like you're saying, all of those, all of the above. Great lady. Loves hockey, obviously. Passionate about sport in general, isn't she? Uh, but, yeah, I think that's going to be a, quite an interesting, um, you know, special as well. So, yeah, sure. cool. Right, so this is it then. Thanks for uh, joining me again, Fraser, um, Simon. Uh, it's been a pleasure, as always. And we'll catch you again in the next one, yes? Nod yeah. Speak yeah. soon. Yep. I will remember not to nod next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Take care. Cheers.